new sermon series, Perfect Focus, Perfect Focus 2020. And we want to continue on that. We, we talked last week about your, your spiritual focus, and, and I, I hope that you were able to make some decisions and make some plans. Uh, because just like we're going to look at today, if you, if you don't change something that you were doing from last year, you can't expect different results. And so we have to make changes. Sometimes they're big changes, sometimes they're small changes, but the important thing is to make, make some type of a change if we want to improve, if we want to get better um, in, our, in our spiritual life. And today we're going to be looking at our physical life. Now, we don't talk about physical life as much as we do our spiritual life, but we should because the Bible has a ton to say about our physical life. And by physical, I mean our, our physical selves, our physical bodies. And the first verse that I have in your syllabus, by the way, if you need a syllabus, we've got a couple more in the back. Uh, that's the, the paper that you fill out. If anybody needs one, just hold up your hand. There's a couple back there. You need one? There's right back there. Just, um, Dustin's got a couple. Anybody else need one? All right. The first verse we have on there is Psalms 139 Psalms, verses 13 and 14. It says, For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Think about this for a moment. This is one of the many verses in the Bible where it talks about how God made us. He talks about knitting us together. He talks about ordaining us even before we were conceived. He talks about these things and how the in, when we're in the mother's womb, we are, we are created by him each one of our parts. Now think about this for a moment. If God made you so intentionally, physically, he made you so intentionally, don't you think he cares what you do with your physical self? Don't you think that's important to him? We talk a lot about spiritual things and, and we talk a lot about you know our, our prayers, we talk a lot about our meditations, we talk a lot about our Bible readings, we talk a lot about all these different things that are spiritually related and, and that's great. I mean, that, that should come first actually. But sometimes we do it to the neglect of our physical selves. We need to understand about how much God wants us to be physically healthier. Just to kind of back up a little bit, some of you know my story, some of you don't know my story. It was a couple years ago that, that I, I found myself at a point where um, physically I wasn't, I wasn't where I wanted to be. I couldn't preach a sermon without running out of air. I couldn't get up and walk across the room without having to stop because I was breathing so heavily. And it needed, I needed to make some changes. I went to the doctors and, and like we talked a little bit about, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, we talked a little bit about the fact that, that it wasn't my lungs, it was, it was my heart. It was, it was um, the, the things that were going on around my heart actually, the, the congestion, the, the buildup of fluids in my body and the weight that I had put on. So I had to make some changes. I had to do some things differently. I had to start taking a medication for one thing, um, and I had to start making some lifestyle changes. Now, I'm not where I need to be, but I've made some changes. I've done some things that, that have helped me over the years to be able to, to get to where I can, I can preach a sermon again, to get to where I'm able to, to move across the, the room again. I've been able to make some changes in my life, and, and I, I've lost about 60 pounds. I've got a lot more to go, but I'm much thinner. One of the reasons why I don't wear a suit every week is because I, I don't have a lot of suits that fit right now. They're either old, real old ones that are too small and they've got the wide lapels and they're made out of polyester, or, or, or I get up here and I look like I'm wearing, I'm like, like a little kid, I'm wearing my dad's jacket because it's just so big and hangs on me. And, and I, I, I look at them, I was in the store the other day, I'm looking at suits, I'm like, but if, if I'm still continuing to lose, what's the, what's the point of spending, because suits are expensive, a good suit, you're talking like $500 and What's the point of spending $500 for something that, that if I continue with my goals, isn't going to be fitting in six months? So I'm, I'm kind of in that transition. Plus, I use the excuse we're in Florida. It's hot. Why would I want a suit? But so occasionally I, I wear one. Just I try and find some that fit close and, uh, and, and make those work. But, but you know, I've, I've got some things. I was able to, this, year, this last year, I was able to, I got to the point where not only can I walk across the room without losing my breath, but I was able to run a 5K. And by run a 5K, I meant I ran a 5K. I didn't walk a 5K. I ran a 5K. My wife and I did that together. I intend on doing that again this year with a better time because I'll be lighter and even better shape. 
But I had to make some, some decisions. I had to choose some things. I had to choose what, what I was doing with my body to do some things differently. I had to choose some things as to what I put in my body. I work out a lot more now. I have, we, you know, we bit the bullet financially, and we, we got a personal trainer. And because I, I know me, I know if it's left up to me, I'm not going to do it. But if I have an appointment to do something, I'm probably going to do it. So I make that appointment. And there's some wisdom in there. If you want something to make sure it gets done, make sure you make an appointment. We'll talk more about that in a moment. <coughs> and so I, I do that. And things are getting better. I want you to see, real quick, three truths about my body. Three truths about your body. Three truths about every one of our bodies. That should be on your, on your sheets there. The first one is, my body was created by God and for God. My body was created by God and for God. The first parts of Genesis, when it talks about our creation, which is completely different than, than the animals were created. By the way, humans are not animals. Uh, according to the Bible, the animals were created very differently than humans were created. There are some similarities between, between animals and humans. Similarities because we are, we have the same creator. So there's going to be some similarities. And it, what works, works for us, works for the animals as well sometimes. But we're, we were created very differently. The animals, just like the plants, just like the moon, just like the stars, just like the earth, all these things were spoken into creation. They were spoken into existence. But when it came time to make us, he took the dirt of the earth and he formed it with his hands. We're talking about God. He formed it with his hands and he breathed life into us. Very different than anything else he ever created. It's, it's, it just shows the, how intent he is. And then he, he made a statement. He talked about it, He says that we are made in what? His image. Now, a lot of that is about our spiritual image, but it's also about our physical image because when he's talking about creating at that point, he wasn't talking about creating our spiritual self. He was talking about creating our physical self. And he created us in his image. I want you to see this because I want you to understand that our image, our physical self, is very important to God. It is important to him. Why is it important? For a number of reasons, but one of the simplest reasons is, is that if we are not if we do not do what we need to do to keep our physical self healthy and operating correctly, we're not going to be able to fulfill the task that he has for us. God called me to preach, and if I, don't, if I can't maintain the wind, if I can't maintain the, the ability to be able to preach, I can't fulfill what he's laid out for me. It's important that I, I have a certain level of, of health, I have a certain level of, of uh, ability in order to carry out the spiritual things. We also need to understand that our body wasn't created for our glorification. Our bodies weren't just created by him. They were created for him. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be, be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him. And what does it say? And for him. Everything. We get so caught up in our own glorification. We get so caught up in, in our wants and our desires that we forget that this really isn't about our wants and our desires. It's about his glory, about his wants and his desires. It'll help us to make some better decisions, I think, sometimes if, if we start to understand that, that it's not about us. Our bodies aren't about us. That last phrase, if you, if you underline things in your Bible, I encourage you to underline that where it says, and for him. I want to, because we need to, that, that's the, the, one of the most important pieces of that particular verse because everything includes our bodies. Everything includes us. It's for him. Secondly, of the three truths about my body, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Without getting into too much detail, there, God has always had a residing place. Well, always. For the most part, throughout history, he's had a residing place, a physical residing place here on earth. Now, spiritually, we know God is everywhere all the time, but he had a physical location. The very first place we see God in a physical sense is the Garden of Eden. He would come and in a physical sense would walk with Adam and Eve when there was no sin in the world. But when sin entered into the world, God wasn't cast out of, out of the earth. Who was cast away? Adam and Eve. They were cast out of the garden, out of God's presence. And so even though God had a physical presence, man wasn't there. 
Then we see the, the temple being built in the Old Testament. We see the temple. We see the temple in the wilderness. We see Solomon's temple. We see these things being built, and we see that, that this was a, a place where, where the very physical nature of God would come and, and would interact with humans. His Shekinah glory would come down to, to raise up the sacrifice. And like I said, we don't have a lot of time. Do a study on the temple. It's amazing. You study, and you start seeing the different pieces that were put in there where there's a you know the temple then you've got the holy place but inside the holy place you've got the holy of holies where where his shekinah glory would actually come down and and he would interact with one person in there whoever the priest was at that time the high priest at that time which was a, a symbol by the way of jesus christ we don't have time to get into all that but but that intercessor because he was acting for the, for the children of israel that high priest was acting as the intercessor at, at that particular time because he was bringing the sacrifice of course, we know that we have a, a different high priest now. We don't need that high priest to go into the Holy of Holies because we have the perfect high priest because every single high priest that went in at that time was a human high priest, and they were flawed. Now, they, they, they worked tirelessly to make themselves as perfect as possible, but there's no achieving that on this earth. And so these, these flawed men would go in and be a flawed high priest, but today we have a a true high priest, we have Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, that sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, the, the pure sacrifice, without any condemnation of the world, no sin from the world to, to, to uh, uh, intermingle with that, that pure sacrifice, he became our high priest, and his sacrifice wasn't a once a year thing, it was a once and for all thing. He is our high priest now. But he was, throughout the, whole, the Old Testament, that's where he went. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible tells us that that the 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 uh, that curtain that separated the holy of holies from the holy place, that curtain was rent in two. Now, what that means, it was rent from top to bottom, not across this way, but that it was rent this way. It's one of the things that happened when when Jesus Christ died on the cross. That's detailed in the Word of God. This is important because what that is is that was what separated mankind as a whole from the presence of God. And so when Jesus Christ died on the cross, it was rent in two, meaning it was torn in two, so that, that, that barrier that was between us and God was taken away by the death of Jesus Christ. The temple became obsolete at that point because now there was no need for an earthly place, an earthly physical place for, for Jesus Christ to, to reside or for God to reside because now he tells us the temple is where? The temple is us. The temple is us. And 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Now, now it's important to note. Well, let me finish that verse, and I'll, I'll note something for you. Which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, and your spirit, which are God's. It's important to note here who he's talking to. The, the writer that, that God is using here is, is who? Who wrote Corinthians? Let's do it. We'll do a quiz. Who wrote Corinthians? Paul, right? Paul wrote all, pretty much all, the, well, almost all the epistles. He, he wrote uh, a good portion of the New Testament. So Paul is writing. God is using Paul to write. Where God is the author, but Paul is the the one putting pen to paper, so to speak. And so he, he's telling him. But but specifically, who is Paul speaking to? This is important when you're studying your Bible. Is to know who is being spoken to, because not everything in the Bible is for everybody. It's important to know who's being spoken to. Does anybody know who's being spoken to? What's that? Specifically, the church at Corinth, right? It's why it's called Corinthians. It's the Corinthians, those in that church. So he's talking to the people who are already saved. He's talking to the church at Corinth. If you go back to the first part, it tells you who he's talking to. But he's talking to the, the church at Corinth. He's telling them, the, the church at Corinth, he's saying, your body is the temple. Not the Jewish temple. The Jewish temple was still in existence and still operating, but it was obsolete at this point. And he's saying, your body is the temple. This building that we're in right now is just wood and drywall and metal. It's not a temple. It's not a holy place. Within this building, there are many holy places. Here's one. And they're scattered throughout the room. We are God's holy place. People say, oh, you know, don't let the kids run around the auditorium because that's holy ground. No, it's worn out carpet. But I understand kids, kids, kids need to learn. Kids need to be taught. So you don't hear me interacting much with parents unless it's my kids. And because, and, and, you know, 
I'm obviously a better parent than they are. And uh, so, so I, I interact sometimes. Um, or just out of habit, I'll interact with a kid and realize, oh, wait a minute, this isn't one of mine. Uh, I should probably stop hitting him with the belt. Um, no, I don't do that. But, uh, you know, th- this, this isn't holy ground. It, it's, it's a blessing from God because he provided it. It's something that we should maintain because this was a gift. This building and even this carpet was a gift from God that we should take care of. We should maintain. We should have a certain level of respect for it because of who the gift came from. But it's not holy. The holy ground is where Jesus Christ is in my heart. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, a number of things happen uh, other than just your sins being forgiven you. One, you become the temple of God. Back in the, the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and go. He would come and go uh, using people, saved and unsaved people, by the way, um, for whatever purpose he had. But, but when Jesus Christ left, when, when he died, we received what he called, at that time he called the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And that Comforter, he said, would come upon us. And that Comforter is with us. That Comforter is the earnest of our salvation. In other words, it's the down payment on our promise of heaven. It's the down payment on the promise that he's coming back to us. And we have that Holy Spirit inside of us. And that Holy Spirit, we never never get more Holy Spirit. We never get less Holy Spirit. Because once you have a little bit of an an infinite being, you have all of an infinite being. Because infinity, half of infinity, for you math majors out there, our our engineers not here this morning, but but for the math majors out there, what's half of infinity? Infinity. It's just the way math works. It's the way it works. So we get a little bit of the Holy Spirit. We've got all the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit desires and where we need to work is, is what we talked about last week is giving more of ourselves to him. Making sure that he has all of us because we have all of him. I'm not even through the introduction yet. We're halfway through our time. Number three. Let's pick up the pace here a little bit. God will bless me if I take care of my body. God will bless me if I take care of my body. I told you my story, and my story is an ongoing story, but, but needless to say, my health has dramatically improved. God has immensely blessed me in areas of health that uh, some of my, I only have time to talk about. Some of you know some of the stories of my, of my health and some of the things, but, but I, I stand here today healthier, stronger, more energetic than I was two years ago or three years or five years ago. Even though I'm older, I'm healthier today. So let's move right on. Three decisions. Three decisions to get focused, to get focused on my physical self, my physical life. We need to make some decisions. We need to make some choices. Like I said before, if we continue to do the things that we did last year, our health isn't going to improve. We are not going to be more useful to God doing the same things that we did last year. Unless your health is perfect. We need to start focusing on making some, some changes. Now, these are starting with these, so I put the D in there for you. And the first one is deliver my body from temptation. Deliver my body from temptation. The first thing we need to do, the first change we need to make, the first decision we need to make is we need to decide to deliver our bodies from temptation. We, there's a weird dynamic in the church and among Christians. And by, when I say that, I'm talking about the, the, the widespread thing, where we like to focus on certain sins. We focus on certain sins, and we say, well, this sin is, is, is damaging to, to your spirituality. This sin is damaging. And then we just kind of wink and nod at other sins. Right? I mean, you, you go to almost any church, any Bible-believing church, and say, well, what's your position on homosexuality? Oh, they got something to say. They're quick. Because the Bible has something to say. And they know what the Bible has to say. So they come out and they, they boom, 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 boom. But you, you ask that same fat, overweight pastor, what does the Bible say about gluttony? And he can't quote you the verses. So we've got a problem there. Because gluttony is just as bad of a sin as, as homosexuality. Or smoking. Or drinking. And if we truly want to, to begin to to understand that we need to address the fact that that whatever that is, it's affecting our body. Now, I'll be honest with you. Everybody assumes that mine was gluttony. And I guess there's a little bit of gluttony in all of us. We're Americans. 
but there are some other health issues that, that, that cause me to gain weight and make it very, very difficult for me to lose weight besides gluttony. But sometimes there are things that tempt me and sometimes there's things that, you know, that where, you know, if I have a piece of pie, I want two pieces of pie. Or I want three pieces of pie. And I have to say, you know what, that's a temptation. Just as real of a temptation as, as drugs are to, to a drug addict. And we, that temptation will damage. But, but it, it's not all about gluttony. It's, it's what is the temptation in your life that's hurting your body? Because looking around the room, most of you probably don't have a problem with gluttony. Because most of you aren't, aren't that big. Right? But, but there's something, there's some temptation that's hurting your body. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's alcohol. By the way, drugs aren't just illegal drugs. Sometimes drugs are legal drugs, they're just not being used the right way. Or they're legally obtained, but they're not really needed. Drugs also include nicotine. That's a drug. A drug can be caffeine. Where caffeine, it's one of those things where the bodybuilder talks about moderation. A little bit of caffeine is actually not bad for you. There's, there are a lot of studies that say it stimulates the mind, helps you learn a little bit better. But too much caffeine, it eats your body up. So maybe, maybe that's where the problem is. What, what is it that's hurting you? Maybe, maybe it's your temptation not to exercise. You know that's a temptation? How many of you have ever wanted to exercise? And you thought about, you know what, you know, the new year, I'm going I'm to start walking, I'm going to start running, I'm going to start doing this, I'm going to start lifting, whatever. And then you actually get to that point in time and you don't do it just because you don't do it. That's a temptation not to exercise. Maybe that's what's holding you back. Maybe it's lack of sleep. Maybe you decided, you know, yeah, spiritual, I'm going to get up, I'm going to get up a half hour earlier every day and read my Bible. That's great. But you also need to go to bed a half hour earlier too, or now you're hurting the physical for the sake of the spiritual. There's got to be balance. Maybe it's too much TV. You know, the, one of the big things is binge watching on TV. You know, one of the worst things you can do for your body and your spiritual self is binge watching. But we fall into that trap, right? You're on Netflix. Let's watch one more episode. Because, you know, the end of the episode, it's like, oh, I have to know what's happening next. Right? Remember, remember the old days? When JR got shot, we had to wait six months to find out who shot JR? No, it's just like, oh, I have to find out now. Remember? Everybody under the age of about 50 is looking at each other going, who? Those of you that are chuckling, you're old. <laughs> Zach, who's JR? No idea, right? Because he's not old. As old. <laughs> right? The, the, about half the room's like, oh, yeah, JR, who shot JR? I don't know why this came up the other day. V and I were talking about that, who shot JR? And we couldn't remember who shot JR. We did, like, wait a minute, who was it? Because remember, it was like Time Magazine ran articles on it and everything. There's all these speculation and everything. We couldn't figure it out. And then we, find, we had to Google it to find out who shot JR. And I can see her face now, and I can't think of her name. Chris, Crystal? Kristen? So, what was her name? It was his sister-in-law. No, the, she was pregnant with his baby or something. I, it was a soap opera. <laughs> it, but, but my point is that, is that when the series ended, or when the season ended, there was no, let's watch the next one. You had to wait. Forever. And it, even if it was a weekly thing, you had to wait a week. To find out if Batman was going to get out of that, 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 that thing that the Joker had put him in, you had to wait a whole week. Now you're really old if you giggled at that one. <laughs> but, but we have that, today we have that instant gratification. And, and, and sometimes that's our temptation. Sometimes that's it. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But what is, what is your temptation? What is it that keeps you from getting healthier? There's something, something that you can control that's pulling you away. Matthew 26, 14 says, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. 
The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I don't have any tattoos. If I had one, this might be it. I may tattoo that verse right on my forehead. Spirit is willing, flesh is weak. Because that's, that's almost my life right there. But we need to recognize this. We, we delude ourselves into thinking that, that, that we're not weak when it comes to these things. We need to recognize that we are weak and begin to lean on that spiritual foundation that we set up last week and use the power that we're drawing from that to help guide us into making some physical decisions this week. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee fornication. Every sin that man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Do you know what fornication is? The simple answer to fornication is any sexual activity outside of the marriage bed. Outside of marriage, wedding. Or if you're not married and you're involved in any kind of sexual activity, that's fornication. It's one of the few sins where he specifically separates it out and says, this sin is worse because it not only includes your spiritual self, but it damages the body. Fornication damages our body. And it can be anything, any type of sexual contact outside. It could be, um, we talked about homosexuality. Homosexuality falls into that. If, if they're practicing, I don't know why you practice, I don't know why you want to get better, but, but if, if they're involved in it, living with somebody that's not your husband or your wife, that's fornication. Any, anything that's outside of that, and that, that has become our social norm, by the way. Our social norm has been that you, you have sex with somebody, and then you start dating them, and then you fall in love, and then you get married. What? And again, those of you over 50 are like, what? Because that's so bizarre to us, isn't it? Because we used to, like, fall in love and stuff first. No, it, it's all backwards. Why? Because we live in a world that's dying. We live in a world that's getting more and more sinful. And we cannot take our cues on how to act and how to react from society because society is dying. And it's going to get worse. And it's going to get worse. You turn on the news and you listen to some of the things that are happening. You're, just, you're like, how do we get to this point? There's a young person the other, the other day, a couple days ago. Maybe you saw this in the news. He's sitting at home and he's thinking, you know what? I want to kill somebody. So he goes out, gets in his truck, his HHR, his... Uh, the other one, PT, PT Cruiser, gets in his PT Cruiser and goes out and he's like, I'm going to find somebody to run over. 78-year-old veteran walking down the street. Yep, there he is. Bam, ran him over and killed him. Didn't know him, just decided he wanted to kill somebody. What? This happened here in Central Florida. And it's like, how, how do we get to that point? Our society is dying. And we take our cues from society this is what we end up with. We end up with these people. Some people are saying, well, he's mentally disturbed. Oh, well, obviously, but how did, where does mental dis, this mental disturb, disturbation come from? It comes from us feeding it. It comes from our society. Interesting, it says, in that verse we read, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, it says, flee fornication. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say fight fornication. It doesn't say resist fornication. It says flee fornication. What does that mean? That means run away. Don't try and stand up to it. Don't try and resist it. Don't try and fight it. Run away from it. Let's go to number two. The second D. Discipline my body to do what's best. Discipline my body to do what's best. The word discipline is not popular today. We spent most of our last year talking about various disciplines, and we put many of them up here on the wall for us. These are disciplines of a, of a focused Christian life, and, and I encourage each of you to, to start working these disciplines into your life. Disciplines, that word, we don't like that word. That's a word that, that is important for the Christian, but, but another thing that society, Satan through society, has told us that you know it's like submission, that it's a dirty word. We don't want to have anything to do with that. It's, but we need to, if we want to truly change our physical and spiritual life, we need to have discipline in our life. Discipline my body to do what's best. Discipline is simply saying no to something that you want to do 
to reap greater rewards later. So remember that pie I was talking about? My, my long-term goal is to lose weight and get healthy, but right now that pie looks good. And I'm back to that instant gratification, and I can have pie now, and it would be so good. How many of you want pie right now? See, our discipline is we have to resist that because we have goals that we need to get to down the road. We have weight to lose. We have health that's more important. We, we have serving God and glorifying God and having that extra piece of pie. There's nothing wrong with pie, but, but having that extra piece, that gluttonous piece, that does nothing to glorify God. That glorifies me right now and damages me in the future. It makes my goals harder and harder. How many of you have said, you know, I want to I lose weight. You set a goal, I want to lose weight by this time, but that's a long time away, so I can have a little something now. It's that instant gratification. It's that microwave mentality that we can't wait for things that has to happen right now. One of the greatest enemies of getting focused is that instant gratification. You know, I, I have another goal set up. I, I have a vacation coming up, and, and the vacation is, is um, 106 days away. Um, but not that anybody's counting. Um, in 106 days, I'm getting on a cruise ship. And when I, I've set a goal in the next 100 days, I'm going to lose 20 more pounds. So I have to stay focused on that goal because I want to be down 20 more pounds by then. You know, so I can have ice cream today. And tomorrow I won't even remember it. Or I can be down 20 pounds more by the time I walk on the ship. What's that 20 pounds going to do? It's going to make me healthier. And I'm going to enjoy my vacation more because... I'll be able to walk better. I'll be able to move around better. I'll be able to enjoy things better. And so that's my goal. That's what I'm going to strive for. And so what I have to do is, is I have to, to get rid of that, that, that instant mentality, that instant gratification mentality and say, well, it's just a, is a bowl of ice cream right now really going to matter, matter two months from now or three months from now? That, those calories are all gone by then. They're all going to be all gone by tomorrow. But what it does is it sets up a, a decision for today, and then I'm going to make the same decision tomorrow. And the same decision tomorrow. So instead of reaching that goal, I get within a couple weeks. I'm like, not only have I not lost 20 pounds, I've gained five. Discipline our bodies to do what's best for our bodies. 1 Corinthians 9, 27 says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. We have to, to control and keep our bodies in control. Where do you need to discipline your body right now? Last week I had you write down a, a series of spiritual goals. And I want you, to, I want you, you got a blank there. I want you to write down some physical goals this week. A recent study came out that said if people would, would walk 10,000 steps a day, that there's a 90% reduction in heart attacks. Just walking 10,000 steps. A 30 to 70% reduction in cancer rates, a 50% reduction in type 2 diabetes, a 70% reduction in stroke rates, uh, being active. Just that simple goal of 10,000 steps a day can dramatically change your future and your future health. 10,000 steps isn't really that much. Now, I don't encourage you to go out tomorrow and try and start working, walking 10,000 steps. You may hurt yourself. You may pull a muscle or something. But most of you carry phones today. This is one of the blessings of technology. Most of you carry phones today. And you can, you can set up on your phone pretty simply. That my phone tells me that I've walked 1,193 steps today. I haven't done much today because I've been walking back and forth up here. So I haven't really gotten out and done much today. But my goal, I, I hopefully will hit my 10,000 steps today. And I can look back, I can, I can go, and I mean, it's an app on your phone. If, if you don't like phone apps, um, Emily's holding up her, was that a Fitbit? What is that? Yes, yes, it's a Fitbit. I have one of these. She, she's, she's trying to be very subtle. See, everybody, everybody be like me. And uh, she's, she's holding her, it, it's, it's a watch, basically, what we would call a watch, but it, it has all your information right there. And you could get as expensive or as, as cheap as you want to get on this, you can go to Walmart and, and get a, a pedometer for 10 bucks, and it hangs on the side of your belt. And it'll tell you every day how many steps you want to, that you walk. 
So what I encourage you to do, if you want to increase your steps, and this is one of the basic ways to just get moving. God, by the way, God made your body to move. And when you stop moving is when you start deteriorating at a very rapid, rapid pace. And I don't need a show of hands, but how many of you have been hospitalized for a few days where you couldn't get out of bed for a few days for whatever reason? And then when they let you get up, you could hardly get up. Or you know somebody that spent a week in, in bed, and, and it's just a week. You think they have all this energy, and they get up, and they can't stand. Why? Because they didn't move. They didn't use those muscles. And it'll take them a week or two to get that strength back in them again. And as we get older, it gets it's longer, and it gets harder to do it. So simple things like walking. Just start walking. Well, this is what I encourage you to do. Get your pedometer, put it on your phone, however you want to count your steps, and count. And do this for about a week <coughs> and see how many steps you're walking. Maybe you're walking right now 4,000 or 5,000 steps, whatever you're walking. That, know where you're at and then set your goal. So if you're walking 5,000 a week, set your goal for 6,000. And then next week, try and walk 6,000. It's going to mean walking more. And then once you get to where you're averaging 6,000, go to seven. And eventually get it up to 1,000 steps and, and, or 10,000 steps in a day. You're going to find that it really doesn't take that much more. It takes, you know, instead of parking in the closest spot at the parking lot, you park out the, at the end. It takes little things like that. It takes, you know, just taking your time. And, and you know, yesterday, V and I, we, we got up and we went, we went uh, strawberry picking. And we went to the flea market. Now, that's not intensive stepping, but we're moving, moving the whole time. And it helps us to, to get our steps up. But whatever it is. Anyways, you've got three spots right there. Just real quick, jot down some things. What do you want to do this year? Is it you want to exercise more? Do you want to diet? Do you want to eat better? Do you want to sleep more? Do you want to change things in your sex life and start bringing, getting rid of the fornication and bringing it back under control? Do you want to start fasting this year? There's a number of things you can do. It's going to be different for you than what it is for me. I can't tell you what to do. But I can tell you this. If you don't set a goal and you do the exact same things you did last year, by the way, you won't get the exact same results. You're going to get worse results. If we do the exact same thing every year, our bodies naturally decline. So we have to do a little bit more each year. We have to be a little more focused on our physical self each year just to try and maintain what we had last year. If you want to do better than last year, you have to bump it up quite a bit, make some good decisions, make some good choices, and then make them, <coughs> I encourage you to go home and pray about these and, and make them not just so, so generic, not like, um, you know, uh, I want to I eat better, right? How many people would like to eat better? And better doesn't mean more. But eat better. Eat healthier. We may even say, I want to eat healthier. But what does that mean? Get specific about it. You know, when V and I started, decided that we wanted to start eating healthier, we had to sit down and say, well, what does this look like for us? And one of the main things that we've cut out of our diet, and again, this is us. This isn't you. This is us. One of the main things we cut out was refined sugar. There's no health benefits to it. And we ate a lot of it. You know, she really liked chocolate. I really like ice cream. And, you know, there's, there's these things that we had, to, we had to set these things aside and get rid of the refined sugars. And so just simple things, but it's, it's a concrete thing. It's a real difference. I don't know what yours is. Pray to God. Never make a plan. By the way, if, if you make your plans all in your own power and all over your own self, they're not going to work. You have to pray. You have to get God involved in your planning. Because if we could do it without him, we'd have already done it. Right? We'd all be, you know, Johnny Atlas in here. Or uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, whoever you think of as being in, in good health. I don't know who the new healthy guy is. But uh, you know, we would all be that guy if it, was, if, if, we, if it was within our power. It's not within our power, but it's within his power. We can all get there. Romans 6, 12 through 13 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We need to realize that we have to yield ourselves to him. We need his power if we're going to accomplish these goals. And we don't make the goals and go to God and ask for him to go sign off on them. We have him make the goals with us. And we make the goals with us, and then we pray for his power to be able to accomplish them. Number three, we need to dedicate, dedicate my body to God. 
dedicate my body to God. Very simply, the way you're living, the way you're feeling right now, is this how you want to live and feel next year? Because God's given us a choice. Just like everything in our spiritual life, he's given us a choice in our physical life. Is this how you want to be? If it's not, and maybe you're in great health. Maybe you're like, I'm fine. Well, more power to you. I'm not. I got a lot more work to do. And I'm making more changes this year than I made last year. Is this how you want to be feeling next year or in five years or in ten years? I hope I'm home in ten years. But if I'm here, I'm going to need a certain level of health to continue to do what God's got me to do. The rate I was going, I wouldn't have been there. The rate I was going, it, it, most of you know, a few years ago I wrote a book. You know, when I was writing that book and finally putting it together, one of my motivations, by the way, I haven't told anybody this, I haven't even told V this, um, I thought I was dying. This is when my health was getting really bad. I thought I was dying. And my prayer almost every night was, God, don't let me die until I finish the book. I want something to leave behind. And I would pray that prayer because I really thought I was dying. You know, I was, I, things were happening in my body and, I, and my breath and things, and I just, I'm, this is it, I'm going to die today. And I pray, God, don't let me die today. I'm not done yet. And that was one of my motivating factors. And, you know, there are things that I, I'm going to want to do in 10 years that God's going to want me to do in 10 years. And if my health isn't there, I can't do them. I just can't do them. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Talk about dedicating our body to God. It says, it says I beseech you, therefore, brother, therefore, brethren. Again, who's he talking to? Brethren. He's talking to the saved. Was that word beseech? It, it almost has the, the meaning of beg. I beg you, therefore. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He tells us, very simply, he's begging us to make our bodies a living sacrifice. What is a living sacrifice? It means we don't die for God, we live for God. It's not a, a, a absentee kind of living, it's, a, it's an active living, where we are living our lives just like we're supposed to be living our lives, just like everybody else lives their lives, but instead of living it for our gratification, instead of living it for our blessings, we are living it for His. We are an active, actively sacrificing ourselves to Him. This helps, by the way, if we get this verse, these are good verses to, to memorize. It, it, whenever you're, you're, you're trying to make that decision about the pie or the losing 20 pounds, you know, if it's about me, Maybe I'm choosing the pie. But when it clicks in my head that this isn't about me, this is about him, it makes it a lot easier not to eat that pie. Because I'm not living for myself. I'm not living for my glorification. I'm living for his glorification. Now, if that, that extra piece of pie means I get to sit down across the table from somebody and share the gospel with them, well, that's just a win for everybody then. <laughs> we're going to present our bodies. Think about Think about we, we, we take that. If we're going to present a sacrifice, think about the picture of when Jesus Christ was born and, and, and the, uh, the wise men came and they presented their gifts. You know, what, what's the picture we get in our head? If, if I'm going to present a gift, if, I, if I'm going to present, let's say I'm going to present that, that cross right there, I'm going to present it to Jerry. Is this presenting? Jerry, there's your cross. Is that presenting? No, what is presenting? Presenting is, presenting is picking it up and actively bringing it to him. That's presenting. I'm presenting it to him. He's not having to do anything. I'm presenting it to him. We're supposed to do that with our bodies. We're not supposed to stand around and say, God, fix this. God, fix this. God, fix this. You know, God, here's my body. Do what you want with it. No, we are to present ourselves to him. It's, it's active. It's movement. We're giving. There needs to be forethought and activity on our part. It's not God's job to do that. <coughs> but he'll empower you and enable you to be able to do it. He wants our bodies because it's his body. He wants our bodies to be healthy because it's his. He wants us to be strong because it's his. Many people are, are okay with God being our creator, but they don't like God being their controller. They like a savior, but they don't want a Lord. And we need to understand that Jesus Christ, God, and, and 
in Christ didn't just create us, didn't just save us, but they are also our leader. They are also our Lord. They are also to call, we are to let them be our controllers. That's difficult for a lot of people. There's a lot of people we don't talk about what we did for ourselves, but it's not about us. Sometimes if we could just get out of our own way, we could do so much more for God. Matthew 10, 39 kind of sums it up this way. He says, he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Let that say again. He that findeth his life. That's a person who's, who's in control of every aspect of their life. It's my life. It's my choices. We see these people all over society today. You can't tell me something is wrong because it's my choice for my life, my choice for my body, my choice for my family, my choice for this. They have found their life by this verse. You know what that means? They're going to lose it. Because they're trying to hold on to something that they can't hold on to. They're trying to hold on to sand in their hands with that sand. You can't hold sand in your hands because it slowly it starts seeping through and seeping through and seeping through. They're, it's an illusion that they've created or a delusion that they've created in their minds that they have control over their lives, that they have control over what's happening. And, it, and it's delusional. And then, and then they wonder why everything falls apart. They wonder why everything comes crashing down around them. It's because it was all an illusion. It was all a house of cards. It was all something that you made up in your mind when you decided you were going to find your life. You set the path that guaranteeing that you were going to lose it. It says, and he that loseth his life, not just loseth his life, in other words, that means like let it go. That doesn't mean kill, die. That means losing your life. That means letting it go. But notice what he says, losing life, letting it go for what? For my sake. In other words, we're, we're turning it over. When we present it to him, we are turning it over to him. We are losing our lives. We are giving him control. We're recognizing that, that the glorification isn't for us. It's for him. And we're making decisions. He still lets us sit in the driver's seat, and we still get to make decisions. We still get to make choices every day. But now our choices are tempered by the fact that this is in our body. I don't borrow things very often. Most of you know that. If you've been around me very long, you know, I'll go buy a tool before I borrow it. It's very rare. The only, the only exception is if it's something that I need like one time and it's very expensive, then, and I know somebody's got one, I'll, I'll borrow it. But it's very rare. But when I borrow something, I treat that a lot better than I do my own tools. Because I'm going to return that. I want to return it the same condition or better condition. If I borrow a car from somebody, I return it with gas in it. More gas than it had. Always return. I was always taught that, even by, by you know, growing up, that you return things better than you borrowed them. And you know, why am I doing that? Because I recognize that that car, that tool, isn't mine. It belongs to somebody else. And because it belongs to somebody else and it's not mine, I don't have the right to destroy it. I don't have the right to say what happens to it or where it goes. I don't have the right to give it to somebody else or loan it to somebody else. If I borrow something from you and, it, and somebody says, hey, when you're done, can I borrow it? You'll have to ask them because it's not mine. It's theirs. They control this. And we need to have that same mindset with our bodies, realize that these bodies aren't really ours. We borrowed these bodies from God. And he wants them back. He wants them to be used the way he says to use them. If I borrow your truck because I, I need to, to, to move a piece of furniture, but instead I'm out pulling up stumps, I violated the agreement. I'm damaging your truck. And that's not right. God gave us our bodies for his glorification, for his purpose. And when we use it for anything else, we're pulling up stumps. We're damaging it. And it's not ours to damage. We need to take a stand. We need to take a stand to make a commitment for not just our spiritual lives this year, but for our physical lives this year. What are we going to do different? It doesn't have to be overcome. Don't overcomplicate this. But be prayerful about it. I want you to spend some time in prayer this week thinking about your physical self. Now, there's some things you don't control about your physical self. You can't, I'm, you know, my, my goal this year is I want, I want to get six inches taller. 
unless you're 11 or 12 years old, that's probably not going to happen. Well, we can try. I'll need to borrow two trucks and some rope. We might be able to make you taller. I'll bring your truck back with gas in it, though. Make some choices. They don't have to be big. They don't have to be just something as simple as 10,000 steps. That's really not that much. When you start counting steps, you realize 10,000 steps isn't that much, but the dramatic effects it'll have on your life. And by the way, I've talked to people about this before. They say, well, I get, I get plenty of exercise at work. Or I get plenty of, here's, here's one, moms. I get plenty of exercise chasing my kids around. Well, if, you got, if either one of those statements were true, you'd be in perfect health. Now, you will get a lot of exercise with kids around. And some of you have, have jobs where you get a lot more exercise than, than what I get. And maybe exercise isn't what you need, but if you're not where you want to be, there's still something that needs to change. Maybe it's not the exercise. Maybe it's the food that you're putting in your body. Maybe it's the harmful things you're putting in your body. There are still things that need to change somewhere, unless your health is where it's supposed to be. Prayerfully consider this. Make a commitment and commit your body to God. And then go to God and say, God, once you presented it to him, say, God, this is your body. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to fuel it? You know, going back to that truck analogy, if you borrow a truck and say, hey, what kind of gas do you put in there? Well, if, if I don't put in the high octane, then it knocks and pings. Okay, then you go to the gas station and you put in the cheap gas. Are you being a, a good steward of that? No. You're damaging it. And if God says, I, I want you to put this in your body, you say, well, yeah, but God, that, that costs a dollar more. I can't do that. i got to go with the cheap gas. You're not taking care of that body that God give, has given you, that he's loaned to you. We need to make a commitment. We need to make some changes. Your body is, is very important to God. Your physical health is very important to God. And to build up spirituality without building up our physical self, we're expecting one to crash. When the two build up, they lean into each other. We have a triune God, and, and, and we see that things oftentimes work together. We, need, we understand that the body, soul, and spirit, they, they work, the three of them work together, and we need to build them up together. We build one more so than the other. We have something that's unlevel. We have something that's out of whack. It's something that can't survive. Will you commit your bodies to God this year? Will you commit to praying and asking God how he would have you bring glory to him through your body? Will you make that commitment today? Let's all stand.